Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference, or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. I'm Jeremy Lee, and this is Matthew McLaughlin, my hey. co-host. Hey, Jeremy. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. We have our friend Tim Scott with us again today. Hey, guys. Hey. We're here to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about his work for a while. We're getting near the end. <laughs> In fact, today we'll close up. Remember, if you don't remember, you'll have to go back. But uh, we talked about the Ordo Salutis. Uh, we're finishing that up today. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about a couple controversial matters regarding the Holy Spirit. And then we'll then we'll be finished up. I hope that everyone can see, contrary to what is often said, that Reformed or and or Baptists don't believe in the Holy Spirit. I hope by now, after we spend, do you remember how many podcasts we've had just on this subject, Matthew? This has got to be at least seven. Yeah, and we still got this one and two more to go. Uh, I hope. <laughs> that will dispel the myth, at least for the people that listen to us, that uh, Baptists and Reformed people don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Um, if we if we didn't believe in the Spirit, we sp- have been spending an awful lot of time talking about something we don't believe in. So, um, hopefully, you'll see that today. So, all right, let's let's dig in. So we're we're going to be talking about three things. Uh, today involving the work of this Holy Spirit. Uh, Number one, how he gives us assurance. Number two, how he helps us to persevere. And finally, how he glorifies us at the end of time. So um, the Baptist Confession of Faith says this about uh, about assurance. This certainty is not a bare conjectural and probable persuasion grounded upon a fallible hope, but an infallible assurance of faith founded on the blood and righteousness of Christ revealed in the gospel and also upon the inward evidence of those graces of the Spirit unto which promises are made and on the testimony of the Spirit of adoption witnessing with our spirits that we are the children of God and as a fruit thereof, keeping the heart both humble and holy. So there's a lot there. Uh, We're going to only focus on a few things. Um, First, let's talk about the basis of our assurance uh, that's expressed in this uh, confession of faith. First, it tells us that um, our assurance is infallible because its basis is God's word and the Holy Spirit. Okay, not simply on syllogistic reasoning, and syllogistic reasoning is is just the, the example that is always given is all men are mortal. Socrates is mortal, therefore, or Socrates is a man, therefore, Socrates is mortal. So um, that's syllogistic reasoning. So our assurance just isn't just based on the fa- fact that. If you trust Jesus, you will be saved. I have trust Jesus, therefore I'm saved. That's, it's not based just on that. Now, 
we're not getting rid of that syllogistic reasoning or saying it's worthless, but it's not fully and finally based on that, but it's based on the promises of the word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Um, Secondly, it's based on the graces of the Spirit that are evident in the believer's life. Um, Second Peter talks about adding to our faith virtue and so forth. There's a list of virtues that we're add to the we're to add to our faith, and so these these virtues or these graces of the Spirit become evident in our lives. I, one of those that I remember off the top of my head is brotherly love this brotherly love is a work of the holy spirit and having that work having that brotherly love in your heart and also evident in your actions is evidence that the spirit is at work in your life and that you are truly um, born again uh, that you truly are a child of god and then thirdly it's based on the testimony of the holy spirit here We've quoted this verse before, and I'll quote it again from Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 16. The Bible says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So, it's our assurance are knowing for sure that we're saved, that we're going to heaven, isn't based simply on syllogistic reasoning. It's based on the promises of the Word of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, which is evidenced by the the fruit in our lives and His testimony within our heart um, as well. Well, I have more to say about that, but any other further thoughts? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, um, uh, you know, and and if we if we neglect any of the three, uh, uh, you know, that 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 is that that we're talking about, it can really knock us off off uh, our spiritual, um, you know, kilter. It can it can really get us um, off balance spiritually uh, if we're just, um, you know, if, uh, you know, and, and and I think we see this a lot when people start talking about. You know, well, you know, I'm struggling with my assurance. Um, you know, they automatically want to say, "Well, when did you pray a prayer to ask Jesus into your heart?" Versus, okay, well, let let's look and and let's let's examine. You know, you, um, you know, your faith. Let's let's examine. You know, what you have exactly believed and and going through these these three. You know, um, I think um, I don't know if we call them. I guess uh, I don't want to call them steps, but but uh, checkpoints maybe. Uh, I, I think are are uh, uh, is very helpful and probably much more helpful than just um, you know. And you guys may probably have heard it too. You know, just plant that stake there on the day you you know ask Jesus into your heart and never forget it. You know, and um, I, I think these are much more helpful than 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 just doing that and going off an experience or a feeling. Well, yeah. Um... Because um, <laughs> it, it's basing it, ultimately the problem with it is it's, you're basing your assurance then on your actions. Mm. And then then you go back and are, did I believe enough? Did I repent enough? Um, you know, we look back to our, did we say a certain prayer? Did we walk forward at an altar call? Um, none of which 
is necessary to be saved. <laughs> so not only are you basing it on your actions, but you're basing it on something that's not even, um, not even something God commands us do to do uh, as a believer. It's it's not spoken of in Scripture as the way of salvation. So we're looking at these things rather than looking at at the keys. Um, the other issue I think with with looking the way you described it, Tim, is it's looking back in the past. Um, it's not that it it's not that the past isn't important. It's not that um, it's irrelevant whether you've ever professed confessed faith in Christ or uh, believed in him or repented, the day that you did it is not necessarily irrelevant. But if you're, if you prayed a prayer when you were seven years old and you've lived like a heathen since that time and have never darkened the doors of the church, you shouldn't put a lot of stake in the day you got saved or the day you went forward or the day you prayed, um, because it shows that it something isn't right. Right. Well, and, and, and just speaking pastorally, you know, as I counsel believers, um, you know, just uh, on, on this issue, um, you know, it, it, it's helpful to be able to point them to, uh, I, I mean, yes, I, I know when we talk about um, the Holy Spirit, we, we are getting into, in, into an area of, of experience, obviously, um, you know, but, uh, at the same time, even the work of the spirit, um, it, it's helpful because there, because we can look back to the word and say, okay, so this is how the spirit assures us. This is how the spirit works in assurance. And, and we can say yes or no as to whether or not we're experiencing that or, or we're, we're seeing that. So, I mean, just pastorally, as people struggle with this, with this, with this issue of assurance, it, it's very helpful to have, have something that, that is, that is concrete. Um, that, that we can, um, you know, we can, we can appeal back to, and I think just really show them some, some objective truth there and, and not just relying on the feelings. Right. Because, um, the spirit can speak immediately to our hearts and assure us that we're, um, that we're, that we're born again, that we're Christians, but it's not necessary. Um, he may do that we don't we don't have to depend on that because ultimately it's subjective so we mm-hmm. need we need something objective to look to um which is why we you know this is why we point to a time when we've repented when we repented or at a time we believed that's mm-hmm. objective this is why you have to look at how you've grown in the faith how you've matured the fruit of the spirit being evident in your life. That's why you have to look at those things. Um, They're, they're more objective and others can see them too. Nobody can see the spirit speaking in your heart and affirming that you are truly a believer. Sure. So any Matthew, you have anything to add? The, that's the main idea that we have to remember is that ultimately sub Salvation is in an objective object, not in a subjective feeling. And one of the, one of my favorite quotes in this is, uh, I can't remember the Puritan, but one Puritan said, for every look you take at yourself, take 10 looks to Christ. Because, 
and, and this is real problem when it comes to assurance. <laughs> we we turn inward, and whenever you whenever you turn inward, the problem is as you gr- when you grow as a believer, you're more sensitive to your sins, so you're going to think you're worse and worse. So we got to be careful turning inwardly like that because it can lead us to further and deeper doubt rather than assurance. The, the sin that we do see should turn us to Christ. And as we're turning to Christ with our sins, we're going, oh, I am a believer. I'm, I'm turning to Christ. Well, and, and to that point, it, it does then, you know, and, and this is what I think you're, you're making, the point you're making, which is it keeps us from proverbially um, navel-gazing, where it's all focused upon us and am I doing enough and um, is this good enough? Like you were saying earlier, too, you know, uh, did I have enough faith? Did I, did I believe the right things? You know, did I walk down the aisle right? Did I do this? Did I do that? And, and I, I think, I think it does keep us from that, from, from just that, that unhealthy, you know, navel gazing. And, and I think, you know, I, maybe you guys know this too, but I know experiences like this, but I, I know a guy, um, I mean, I've since lost track with him, but the last time I knew of him, you know, he was probably, he had probably been, you know, he probably walked down an aisle and been baptized and rebaptized and re, 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 rebaptized, you know, probably uh, six, eight times all because he was looking for assurance um, of, of his salvation. And, and it, it, it had to be maddening for him um, to, to, to continue down this path of, of needing assurance and continuing to ask Jesus into his heart and be baptized. And, and, and it's just not, it's not healthy. And the sad thing is the things that he was doing aren't even things we're told to find assurance in. Right. Um, we're supposed to find assurance in Christ. That's one of the problems with the altar calls is that it, it leads you to look to your behavior and your actions rather than the work of Christ. And we don't want to do that. We want, we got, we got to look to Christ. And sometimes when that, when you start that navel gazing, you have to stop, smack yourself upside the head and say, trust Jesus. <laughs> That's right. You're not going to find anything good there in your navel. Belly button lint and thin. <laughs> I think John Calvin has some helpful words for us, especially with when it comes to slow progress, because sanctification doesn't ha- generally happen instantaneously. It's a long, hard road that happens over the hall of our Christian life. So sometimes progress is slow. And I love how Calvin helps. He says, no one will travel so badly as not daily to make some degree of progress. This, therefore, let us never cease to do, that we may daily advance in the way of the Lord. And let us not despair because of the slender measure of success. How little soever the success may correspond with our wish. Our labor is not lost when today is better than yesterday, provided with true singleness of mind, we keep our aim and aspire to the goal, not speaking flattering things to ourselves, nor indulging our vices, but making it our constant endeavor to become better until we attain to goodness itself. If during the whole course of our life we seek and follow, we shall at length attain it. When, we, when relieved from the infirmity of the flesh, we are admitted to the full fellowship 
of God or with God. Um, so I think I think that's helpful. And then uh, Walter Marshall, whom we mentioned in our sanctification episode, he says it this way: We're looking for some drop of saving grace in an ocean of your corruption. That's so helpful to me because it's not as if it's really not how much is there, but that it's there at all. Mm. Because it's if you have any saving grace in your soul, it's because the Spirit put it there. It's not because of you. It it means that you've been saved because it it wouldn't be there without the work of the Holy Spirit. So I think I think those are really helpful on those days uh, when we're when we're discouraged and we can't see the progress and we're faltering and failing. So any other thoughts on the spirit and how, how he produces assurance in us? The only other thing I would add to, to everything we've said, um, and, and I think we've, we've made this point, but I just want to reiterate it is that um, certainly while this is an inward work of the spirit, um, and, and, and objectively, you know, the word of God, um, it's infallible. I mean, we, we are called to make sure that we are, um, you know, we are, I, I, the Puritans would say, like Thomas Watson would say, keeping our, uh, our assurance, um, by, um, following, following after Christ, um, you know, and, and, and so, um, I mean, it, it is, you know, the spirit does it, but yet we're still responsible for making sure that we're not walking in disobedience because disobedience can rob us of our assurance. Yeah, that that's a great point. Um, <laughs> if you want assurance, obey God, because if you're, you know, assurance isn't isn't the essence of faith. So you can believe and not yet and ha- not have assurance. Um, and one of the reasons you may not have that assurance is because you're living in sin and need to repent and turn back to Christ and start following him again. There are other reasons as well, but so it's not necessarily that you're being disobedient. Certainly, if you are living a life of disobedience, you, you should not expect to have assurance. And if you are living a life of flagrant disobedience and you have assurance, something is not right. Yeah. You, you've misunderstood somewhere, somehow, um, because uh, assurance that everything is right with you and God while you live in blatant, flagrant, unrepentant sin is, is not the norm. Sadly, trying to explain that to people who are doing those things is often difficult because they've been told um, you prayed this prayer. Don't let anyone ever question that. Um, So, all right, let's move on before I get too critical. Um, So assurance is very important to our faith. It, you know, um, if we don't know we're right with God, it is paralyzing. So assurance is very important. And uh, it's one of the, one of the works of the spirit. So then uh, let's talk about perseverance uh, or the perseverance of the saints, as it's often called. Um, we need to, I think, perseverance of saints, this doctrine, this teaching the way reformed people teach it, 
is helpful because it avoids two extremes. It avoids the idea uh, that's often called eternal security or once saved, always saved. Uh, and the idea that comes from that is that um, you can live any way you want because your salvation is secure with God, right? Mm. The other extreme that we want to avoid is Arminianism that teaches you have to live in such a way at, so as to keep your salvation. Your, sal- your ultimate salvation is dependent on whether you um, persevere or not. Both of these views, of course, are contrary to Scripture, but they also diminish the work of the Spirit. The first one, eternal security, diminishes the work of the Spirit because it doesn't even require the work of the Spirit. Yeah, you live it in disobedience. The second one diminishes the work of the Spirit because it's, it relies upon you rather than God. Perseverance of the saints, this doctrine, um, the idea is, yes, God does preserve us. God keeps us, and a genuine believer will never lose his salvation. Yet, we must persevere. That is, that we continue. We must continue believing, continue repenting, continue following Christ. Now, the question is, if someone falls away, then what happened? Uh, we would say that that person never truly followed Christ. And the reason is, is because God does not let his children go. He will discipline his children and turn his child back to him. The grace that saved you is, is enough to keep you. So if, if we're living in sin, our good father is going to turn us back to him. If we've never, if we don't turn back to him, it means that we're illegitimate children and have never truly known the Lord. So uh, we we agree with our Baptist brothers that you can't lose your salvation, but we also agree with our Pentecostal brothers that if you don't persevere, you're not saved. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's funny because um, you know, like probably like most. Um, most Baptists growing up, you know, I was always taught eternal security and it didn't matter what you did. You know, once you asked Jesus into your life and your heart and you took him as your Lord and savior, then, um, you know, everything was peachy keen, even if you, you know, lived in complete rebellion from that time on, um, I guess more of the free grace, uh, ideology that, you know, of, uh, Zane Hodges and some of those guys out of, uh, Dallas and, um, Carl Stanley as well. Yeah, yeah, but um, but it was fu- it's funny. The reason I bring that up is because um, it's funny because God used a um, uh, as I was as I was as I was uh, thinking through um, you know uh, the doctrines of grace as I was I was trying to think through all of this. There's actually a cousin who uh, is a is a Pentecostal that really challenged me in this. <laughs> uh, we were talking one day. And, um, he just really, he just brought some, brought some scripture. I think it was out of Hebrews and really just challenged me. And I was like, that's a really good question. And, 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 and so, I mean, um, shortly thereafter, um, you know, I was able to, um, you know, I ended up coming to the doctrines of grace and coming to a different understanding. It's just, it's just funny how, how God can use, um, even Pentecostals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even Pentecostals. That's right. So I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm just kidding about the even part. I already knew yeah, that. Yeah. You've been in Cospels, okay? 
just as long as they're not word of faith people. Right, right, right. No, no, no. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So the way God, the way God keeps us is by maintaining our faith. This is what I believe ultimately First Peter 1 5 teaches, where it says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And the way God maintains that faith is through the means of grace that we've we talk about all the time, right? When the law is preached, the law confronts us with our sins. And if if we're believers, we're going to be convicted and we're going to turn from those sins. So the, the law turns us from our sins. The gospel gives us assurance and that encourages our faith in Jesus Christ and to continue walking with him and not walk in sin. The sacraments or for our Baptist friends, the ordinances, they do the same thing. They nourish our faith. They encourage our faith in Jesus Christ. The Lord's Supper, we're confronted with our sins that they cause the death of Christ and that it turns us to Christ by realizing that through his shed blood and broken body, our sins are forgiven. Our baptism promises that if we've been baptized in faith, uh, then we'll also be raised with Christ. So that encourages our faith as well, prayer. Um, in addition, all, all of these things, as I s- said last week, keep us on this journey of faith so that we do persevere in faith. So it, it again illustrates the importance of the church for believers. Hebrews is a, is a great place to go because Hebrews is filled with warnings uh, of what happens if you neglect the salvation, warnings from falling away. And God uses those warnings to waken our conscience when we're in sin and turn us back to him. Any other thoughts then on perseverance? No, I, I would just say that, um, you know, that, um, you know, perseverance is, as you, you know, as you've said, it's a, it's a wonderful grace that God gives to us um, and not only gives to us, but, but causes us to, or allows us to, to, to have knowledge of it. It's a, it's a wonderful grace that he gives to us. So absolutely, man, I agree with everything you said. So to close out the perseverance of the saints, Baptist confession says this, the perseverance of the saints depends not upon their own free will, i.e. believers, but upon the abiding of the Spirit. Again, this is the work of the Spirit. It's the Spirit who works through the Word and through the ordinances and through prayer to keep us on the right path, to keep us on the straight and narrow. It's the Spirit that does this work. He's the one that keeps us. Ultimately, if we make it to heaven, it's to the glory of Christ and because of His abiding Spirit. So, The Spirit works in perseverance. And then finally, glorification. We have a few minutes. So glorification is is what happens at the end of time, okay? At the day of judgment, at the coming of Christ. If we die before this time, we go to an intermediate state where our souls are separate from our bodies temporarily, until the end comes, and then uh, our bodies and soul are resurrected and reunited, and our bodies are then changed to be immortal. All of this is described in Romans 8, 29 and 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, beginning at verse 50. 
50. There's a great deal of change that happens to believers, and it's through the work of the Spirit that we are changed. Let me read 1 Corinthians, if I can get there real quick, uh, just so you can hear the changes that will take place by the power of the Spirit at the end of time. Paul says here, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? These changes from corruption to incorruptible, from mortal to immortal, are all wrought by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as we discovered at the very beginning, is the one who gives life, physical life, um, and he, he's also the one who gives spiritual life by um, bringing us from spiritual death to spiritual life. He's also the one who, at the end of all time, will change us from mortal beings into immortal so that we can dwell forever with our God. So from the beginning of the Christian life, where we're born again by the Spirit, to the end of the Christian life where we're changed and glorified by the Spirit, it's the work of the Spirit. And everything in between is the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we won't make it to heaven without the Spirit. We can't live the Christian life without the Spirit. The Spirit of God is absolutely critical, essential to our lives. I know I've went off of glorification, <laughs> but does anybody have anything to add to what we've said about glorification? I know it's not a lot, but. Well, no, I mean, I, I think uh, in glorification, um, we see, you know, that uh, I guess, I guess we could say our justification is vindicated. Ultimately, our faith is ultimately, you know, uh, vindicated in, in so far as, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're saved from once and for all from, from the presence of sin. Right. And, and so we experience, uh, we get to experience this, this newness, um, you know, this, this new experience that we've never experienced because of the work of Christ, uh, you know, in, in that day, um, whether, you know, and, and so we can rejoice in that and, and celebrate that and, and, um, you know, and, and, and know that it, that the same spirit that was in Christ, as you read, right. Uh, that it's, he's going to be the one that's going to raise us up. He's going to be the one that's, uh, um, that's at work. So, it, um, yes, ultimately, um, you know, in that day, you know, Christ is at work, but that doesn't mean that, uh, that, that, uh, the spirit is any less at work in, in this, in this act of glorification. Christ works by his spirit to right, right, right. do all these things. Um, so, I think one of, one of the things I'd like to add about just to wrap up, since we're wrapping up the Ordus Ludus, is again to say that if you have assurance that you're a believer, it's because of the work of the Spirit. If you're persevering in your faith, you, it's because of the work of the Spirit. 
if you have hope that you are going to be glorified and be made like Christ, then you're relying on the work of the Spirit. One of the reasons that we we did this study was to help people to see the work of the Spirit in their lives. And so that's, that's why I want to point that out. As I said at the beginning, we, we Baptists, we Reformed people, wholeheartedly believe in the work of the Holy Spirit, and we want we want people to plainly see that work of the spirit in their lives and be able to give glory to the spirit for what he's done. Just because we don't, we have disagreements about spiritual gifts uh, with our Pentecostal brothers, which we will discuss in the next couple of weeks. Doesn't mean we don't believe in the Holy spirit. <laughs> we spent all this time talking about his work. We absolutely believe in him we just because we don't believe that every spontaneous thing that happens is because of the spirit or every grumble in our stomach is is a sign the spirit's calling us into the ministry doesn't mean we don't believe in the spirit i i hope that everybody understands from all this time that we've spent uh delving into the work of the spirit and trying to point out how he's working in your life that you'll see plainly and clearly that we believe in the work of the Holy Spirit and and no one will be saved. No one will live the Christian life. No one will go to heaven without the work of the Spirit in their lives. Right. That's good. That's a good summary. As we await our glorification, may we persevere with the assurance that the Spirit provides because of the finished work of Christ. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, comments, dreaded or hopeful hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we thank you once again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we're striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.